Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Excuse me, are you a San Francisco voter? Our producer, Erica Aguilar, is trying to do something that's really hard. Yeah. Do you mind doing a quick interview with me about uh, the election? I'm actually a bit late for work. Erica's also trying to get them to talk about something they really don't seem to want to talk about. Whether race or identity is going to sway their vote. I'm not going to vote for someone based on their race, but more about what they're actually going to do. Um, so I don't even think about that. In the race for San Francisco mayor, we can't ignore there are many firsts. The top three candidates could be the city's first Asian-American woman or the first African-American woman or the first openly gay man to lead the city. And we at the Bay wanted to know, what do all these firsts really mean to voters? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Today on The Bay, identity politics in a liberal city. So actually, I wanted to ask you about this, uh, this word identity politics. Yeah. What does that word mean? Well, typically it's used to think of in terms of race and ethnicity. Corey Cook is dean of the School of Public Service at Boise State and a former political science professor at San Francisco State University. Increasingly, people talk, talk about identity politics around gender. I think what we're seeing today is that voters have pretty broad conceptions of their own identities. And the way that they, they think about candidates, the way that they, they think about uh, voters who are not part of their identity group is significant in terms of understanding their behavior, but it's far more than, than racial or, or ethnic identity. Are voters in San Francisco going to be voting along identity lines? I mean, certainly to some extent they will. I mean, I, to understand San Francisco politics, you have to look at different interests, which could be geographic interests. Um, now, those things correlate with race and ethnicity and other forms of, of identity, but, but interest-based politics is alive and well in San Francisco, as well as ideological dimensions of politics, and particularly in a city that is overwhelmingly democratic. You know, partisan identity is less meaningful uh, than it would be, for example, in a national election. Uh, and local interests is heightened. And so, so where you live um, and and, and where you work is as significant as ethnic or gender or other identity. I work, and when I get on BART train, I see a lot of homeless people on BART, on the BART sleep. Is it, Civic Center, is this your station? Uh, I get off here, yeah. Yeah, me too. But from where I'm come from, it's like Babola or Daly City area. Yeah. There's still people on the BART sleeping. Yeah. So I want them to tackle that. So we, we are, we're planning on going out and talking to some voters. We already talked to some earlier this morning, and I, I think it was kind of difficult to approach the conversation about race in 
in voting and in, in politics. Do you, do you get a sense that voters are honest about the role of race in elections? Well, I think, you know, the role of race in elections is largely implicit. You know, voters aren't going to say, well, I, I trust one racial group more or less than another. So you as an African-American man, did you feel um, like a pull toward London Breed because she also is an African-American well, woman? I know she was born and raised out here. It, actually, she was born in my neighborhood. Oh, cool. Yeah, in the Fillmore area. Um, uh, I think she's a good candidate. What they might do is ascribe certain characteristics to the candidate that they prefer. What they'll say is, no, I vote for the individual, and the individual I prefer is one who, and then they'll describe whether it's, you know, whatever characteristics they prefer. It's about what they stand for, not I don't care what they look like or what their sexual preference is or where they're from. What do you stand for? So they won't point to sort of racial or ethnic dimensions as why they vote the way they do. Certainly those things might color their interpretations, uh, but th they will have difficulty articulating that. I care about the garbage on the street. I care about the homeless. I care about uh, the housing situation. No, I don't care Latino, gay. It, it's, it's irrelevant to me. And you live in the Castro? Yes, I do. And you, how long have you lived in the Castro? Uh, I've lived in the Castro 35 years, but I mean, I was here when Harvey Milk had his uh, camera shop. Uh, I didn't vote for Harvey Milk. <laughs> now I feel bad about that. So in a, pl a city like San Francisco, is, is there any type of advantage in being a, a black candidate and being an Asian-American candidate in a, in a city that kind of prides itself on inclusivity? Well, I mean, there's an advantage and a disadvantage, I think. Um, each of the candidates would be an historic first. And so there's certainly a degree to which that's meaningful to a group of voters in San Francisco that can also cross-cut in terms of uh, ethnic prejudices. You don't have to go that far back to look at mayoral elections where you see, uh, for example, in the Amiano-Willie Brown race, the conflict was, was around uh, Tom Amiano, who would have been the first openly gay mayor, and that was you know, not something that Willie Brown brought out in the election, but certainly supporters of Willie did. And voters are using... Um, a variety of cues when they decide between candidates and, and the ethnic cues are there for both opponents and supporters of the candidates. And I guess on the flip side, is, is whiteness an advantage in San Francisco? Uh, wow, that's a complicated question. Um, Again, if you look at the demography of the of the city, it's certainly a diverse city, uh, but African-American voters are less than 4% of the electorate. The Asian-American electorate is, it's a diverse electorate. And then you're talking about a community that is actually spread out across the city. So Chinatown, which is a you know, historically lower-income neighborhood, it has a high concentration of Chinese-American voters. So does the, the Sunset and the Richmond District, which are demographically quite a bit different. The candidates themselves are, are, are complex. I think you wouldn't say that you know, Jane Kim is running as the Korean candidate or that London Breed is running, quote-unquote, as a black candidate. I mean, they're running as candidates for mayor. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you wouldn't think of, of Mark Leno as running as the white candidate, right? And so their, their own identities, their own histories are com complex. Um, so I think it'll be easier to answer that question once we can look at the data and see how, how the vote played out. Um, I want to go back to the, something interesting you said about Mark Leno. Well, uh, why wouldn't people see Mark Leno as a white candidate? Well, again, whiteness is, is, a, is a complicated um, political notion to begin with. And so in terms of how uh, whiteness has become politicized, sort of the, the alt-right and the, and the rise of sort of white nationalist politics nationally doesn't at all reflect you know, sort of Mark Leno's politics or history. 
He's obviously identified uh, with the LGBT community. He would be the first openly gay mayor. He's a progressive. You know, certainly he is himself white. I think in San Francisco it doesn't play out in the way you think of, um, you know, sort of the politics of whiteness, which I think is being played out nationally in a very different way. But the privilege of whiteness is all around us. It still exists, and it's considered the default race. It's never had to prove itself. And while we are living in the Bay Area at a time that celebrates diversity, where otherness is sought after and valued, whiteness still holds a lot of the power. So then how much of a role does race play in the final votes in in past elections that you've seen? Like, is there any percentage that you could for sure say, you know, African-American voters vote at least this much for African-American candidates? So the best we could do, and what was interesting in San Francisco last time, was that you could actually look at people's top three choices of candidates and look where voters voted along an ethnic block. And so we would certainly be able to see patterns where, for example, voters would say, three most progressive candidates are my top three choices. And you can sort of say, well, that looks like a voter who's primarily motivated by ideology versus a candidate who, um, you know, frankly, in the last mayoral election, voters whose top three preferences were all white candidates um, sort of had to go out of their way to pick three white candidates to have as their top three choices. Um, Again, we're sort of reading tea leaves as much as you can, uh, that those aren't hugely consistent voting blocks. Uh, for the most part, what you see is voters who are conflicted on, on a range of those issues. Well, Corey, thanks a lot. really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. So it was really hard to find people who felt comfortable talking about race and identity around how they'd vote. It was even hard for us to produce this episode. We had to have a lot of deep conversations about it. And so we'd actually like to hear from you. How did your identity play a role in how you voted? Leave us a message at 415-553-2273, and we may play parts of your message on tomorrow's episode. That's 415-553-2273. Also, KQED is working throughout tonight to bring you coverage of the election. You can follow the results as they come in on the radio, online, or subscribe to KQED's Political Breakdown podcast to get caught up the next morning. Thanks to reporter Sonia Hudson, who is out walking the streets of San Francisco interviewing people for us. And as always, The Bay is produced by Vinnie Tong and Erica Aguilar. Senior editors are Julia McAvoy, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. From Devin Kadiyama, that's it for The Bay. Thank you so much. Um, the podcast I work for is called The Bay, and you can find it on Apple or Google or whatever. Thank you. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just 
what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.